welcome to the Johannesburg Church of Christ podcast. In these podcasts, we seek to know Christ and to make him known to all nations and people. May this week's message transform your thinking in the likeness of Christ as you get to know him more. Yoda Tenakoto Katua, which is greetings from New Zealand to all the brothers and sisters in Southern Africa. Thank you so much for the privilege to speak to you all. And I'm grateful for all the work that the Rentons do in that part of the world and all of the brothers and sisters for your faith and hope and love and continued efforts to spread the gospel all over the globe. I never have visited that part of the world, but I do feel connected as many brothers and sisters, specifically from South Africa, have moved to the church here in Auckland, many of which you saw in the video. And I want to let you know they are still strong Springbok supporters, despite my best efforts to convert them to root for the All Blacks. And I wish we could all see each other face to face and fellowship together and hug one another and sing together and encourage one another, but we'll just make the most of this opportunity through technology. And I trust that you'll be saying amen from your couch to the TV screen, even if I can't hear it. I also want to thank our brother Jody, whom you saw at the beginning of our video, giving you a proper Maori greeting. New Zealand is a beautiful country with a beautiful culture as well and an incredible place to live. And my wife and I have been here for the past seven years and we've had a front row seat to see God grow our membership from 50 disciples to 160. And all the ministries are growing and we're especially proud of the marriage ministry, which really set the pace in church growth for the first three to four years while we were here. At the moment, we are the only ICOC church in the country of New Zealand. However, we are planning to plant a church in the capital city of Wellington next year. So please include that in your prayers. I'm sure it's no surprise to all of us that 2020 has been a chaotic year. However, even during chaos, God is still in control. And we see examples of this in the Bible, and it remains true for us today. And we pray that the churches there and the churches here and all over the world can really be an icon of hope when everything else around us is unraveling. I'd like to study a bit of Joseph's life this morning and look at some points to apply to our lives in the modern day. If anyone is familiar with being locked down, with being isolated, with being frustrated, certainly it was Joseph. And I'd like to read starting in Genesis chapter 39, and then we'll look at three points that we can draw from his life. At this point, he's in Egypt, and normally this story highlights Joseph fleeing from sexual temptation, which he does. However, there's a bigger picture involved that I'd like to examine as we study this out. Starting in verse 1 of Genesis chapter 39. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered, and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found 
favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household and he entrusted to his care everything he owned from the time he put him in charge of his household and of all that he owned. The Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care. With Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. Despite being really used by God, still Joseph was not a good cook. Now Joseph was well-built and handsome. And after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, Come to bed with me. But he refused. With me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he is entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you, because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. One day he went into the house to attend to his duties, and none of the household servants was inside. She caught him by his cloak and said, Come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. When she saw that he had left his cloak in her hand and had run out of the house, she called her household servants. Look, she said to them, this Hebrew has been brought to us to make sport of us. He came in here to sleep with me, but I screamed. When he heard me scream for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. She kept his cloak beside her until his master came home. Then she told him this story. That Hebrew slave you brought us came to me to make sport of me. But as soon as I screamed for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. When his master heard the story, his wife told him, saying, This is how your slave treated me. He burned with anger. And the chapter ends up with Joseph in prison. However, throughout these scenarios, God is clearly still working. And the text makes a point of this. The chapter begins and ends highlighting God. Verse 2 says that the Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered. In verse 3, the Lord gave him success in everything he did. And in verse 5, the Lord blessed the household of Egyptian because of Joseph. And the last three verses basically repeat the same idea. In verse 21, the Lord was with him. Verse 23, the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. And so as a, as a reader, these are like exclamation points to the story. God is with Joseph. Yet in between these two statements, we find Joseph in these unfortunate circumstances. First, he's a slave for at least 20 years, sold for 20 shekels. And if slavery wasn't enough, he's also a prisoner. And so certainly he was discouraged. Certainly he felt isolated. And you can't get any more bottom of the barrel than being a slave and in prison. Yet, despite both of these circumstances, God overrides the systems and displays his sovereignty. And the Bible is 
full of stories where God does this. Think about the Exodus, where waters are not supposed to part and allow people to walk through, yet God steps in and displays his sovereignty. Think about the resurrection, where dead bodies are not supposed to come back to life, yet God steps in and displays his sovereignty. And here in the story of Joseph, once again, God stepping into these systems and displaying his powerful sovereignty. And because of this, let's look at a few points that we can practice in our lives. Number one, we can focus on God's intentions. I love the mindset of Joseph after all this is said and done in chapter 50, verse 20. He says to his brothers, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. That's the mindset of a godly person. They're focused on the intentions of God, not what other people are doing. And most 17-year-olds I know have some kind of shelter provided for them. They have a roof over their head. They have some kind of food, meals a day. They have clothing on their backs and often transport to a variety of different places. But Joseph, when he's 17, he had his brother strip him and throw him in a cistern to die and sell him to professional slave traders, then taken to a foreign country and get sold as property. So if anybody has the ace card of justification for behaving in an improper way, it certainly was Joseph. You want to know why I'm angry and why I'm cynical and I don't trust people? My own family betrayed me. I've been falsely accused and I've suffered the consequences. I have scars. I have setbacks. But that's not what we hear at the end of Genesis. We hear, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. And the world, in the way they think, they cite the intentions of others as if it were sovereign. Look, every media outlet is telling us what somebody's doing wrong or what somebody ought to be doing, but the mind of a godly person is aware of all this stuff, of what people are doing and what people aren't doing, but they're primarily focused on what God is doing and that God has different intentions. In, in normal life, we use depth perception with our eyes. It's, it's very important. And when both eyes function properly, you can detect movement, how far, how close people are or objects are. You basically get a 3D picture of reality. But when that gets distorted, it can have severe impacts. I wear contacts. And if one of them is missing, my depth perception is significantly altered. And I realized this last year on a 72-gate bike ride. The morning of the ride, my left contact fell out, and I rode for about 30-some kilometers with one contact in and one eye closed. This, this is not advocating this at all. This was foolish to do, yet I still did it. And at some point, at the depth, at some point, because the depth perception was way off, I was going down a hill, hit a bump, flew off the bike, and broke my right shoulder. I had surgery and I had a hook plate installed to keep the bones together. And you can still feel it right here. My son thinks it's pretty cool because it's pretty strong. But next week, I'll have that removed. But this is a vivid reminder to me that depth perception, when it's not functioning properly, can have severe consequences. And the world lacks this type of spiritual 
depth perception. They only focus on the problems. They only focus on the people, not the intentions of God. And so as, as disciples of Jesus, it's so crucial. It's so important for us to maintain a spiritual depth perception and always keep God's intentions in mind. It, it's much easier when we're meeting together as a church and we're taking communion together and we enjoy the fellowship of one another after church and the church starts to gain momentum. It's in some sense a lot easier to be spiritual in that kind of climate. But it requires a bit of spiritual depth perception when we're like locked down in our homes and we're, we're watching TV and, and it's church, it's church or is it TV? I don't, it, it's, it's difficult and we're, and we're trying to stay home and work and our kids are there with us and we're trying to homeschool and work and, and learning to be aware of everything that's going on, but still believing that God has a greater purpose. Uh, you know, so challenging during this year to just really believe that I've been discouraged I've been depressed. I've had dark moments. And, and through all of this, it's really been a wrestling match to believe, man, God must have a greater purpose. Maybe he wants me to be more mature. Maybe he wants the church as a whole to be more mature. Maybe he wants me to connect more to my family. Perhaps he's even preparing us as a movement for us to be more effective in reaching a lost world. But it's so important for us to continue to focus on God's intentions. And it will take wrestling and it will take reflection. But that's what Joseph must have done because at the end of it all, he realized God intended this to accomplish good. And it's important to ask ourselves, where does our eye focus? On the problems and on the people, or on God's intentions. And I pray we become people who always have the perception to focus on what God is doing. Secondly, since God is sovereign, it gives us opportunity to focus on our character. It's very clear throughout scripture, God will always make good on his promises. And it gives us room to grow in our character. And in this passage, despite daily temptation, Joseph maintains strong character and sexual purity. Look what he says in verse 9 and 10. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. And this seems almost unbelievable. A young, handsome man refusing the advances of a high-ranking official's wife. And he wants to be loyal to God, first and foremost, and also loyal to Potiphar, instead of compromising his character. I believe through all of these trials, Joseph really grew in his character. Earlier in his life, he has the appearance of character, but I believe it's more superficial. In chapter 37, and, and you're probably familiar with the story, but he brings a bad report to his father about his brothers. And that word bad report is also used in Numbers 13, 32, where it says they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. And so it's obviously negative in its tone, but, but Joseph in his mind perhaps believes that I'm being loyal to my father 
Let me bring him the report, even though it's really, really negative, and his brothers interpret it like that. More likely, he's trying to gain favor with his father, and his father favors him over the rest of his brothers anyway. And so it's this kind of superficial, let me tell you what my brothers are doing. And yet after these trials, and after God has really helped him refine his character, here in this instance, he could have given into this temptation. He could have slept with Potiphar's wife. He could have kept it hidden, kept it secret, and pretended to be loyal to Potiphar. But his reasoning, and we see it in this passage, I cannot do this to God. I cannot compromise my character, and I must be loyal to Potiphar as well. And Romans chapter 5 talks about how our character does develop. It says that suffering produces perseverance, and perseverance character. In other words, it's deliberately crafted, and it involves suffering, and it involves perseverance. Character does not spontaneously combust, although I wish it did. And in today's world, character normally takes a back seat. We can access everything so quickly today, except character. When I was baptized at age 19, my thinking was soon and very soon, people are going to recognize my potential for ministry and they're going to ask me to go into the full-time ministry. However, it was almost 14 years later before that was even in the cards. Why? Because my character was desperately lacking. I was insecure. I was arrogant. I was apathetic. And a whole list of many other things. And during that time span, I am so grateful that God afforded me the opportunity to really focus on my character. Why? Well, the the world desperately needs men and women of character. Look across the stage of the world leaders and people poke holes in their character. Our kids need to see teenagers that have character and our teenagers need to see singles and, and university students with character and our teens and singles in uni need to see marrieds with character and the world desperately needs to see a family of Christ displaying character. There's an obvious application to purity from this text and it's sad and, and shocking actually how normal it becomes for men and women to struggle with internet pornography, even in the Christian world. And young men and young women indulge privately in sexual impurity and then publicly act as though they're loyal to God. And that's really just a sham of character. And it's sad. That sin will ruin you. And in this passage, we have an example of a young man consistently refusing to indulge in this area. And so I want to charge and challenge all men and all women, young, old, to to be consistent and not compromise in your sexual purity because your lack of character will prevent God from using you. But the opposite is true as well. When you allow God to work on your character and allow it to grow, God can use you and anyone to a greater degree. And we see this with Joseph. In the next few chapters, he'll go from the pit to the palace. And as a result, God will use him to save many lives. And that's what I want, and that's what you want. 
And that's what everybody really deeply desires, to be used by God. And so because God is sovereign and doing His part, let's become men and women who have genuinely godly character. And last, let's focus on renewal. The story of Joseph begins in chapter 37 and finishes in chapter 50. Throughout the story, there there are discernible patterns that keep repeating. For instance, in chapter 37, Joseph loses his garment, his clothes, and then he's thrown into a pit. In chapter 39, the passage we read, Potiphar's wife grabs his clothes, his garment, and what happens next? He gets thrown into the pit. And then in chapter 40, he comes out of the pit and he meets Pharaoh. And guess what he does? He shaves and changes his clothes. So there's this pattern of pit, clothes, clothes, pit, pit, clothes. And it's, it's over and over. And there, there's a many examples like this throughout the story and throughout the book of Genesis. And so the author is, is being intentional and saying, hey, look, there's something that keeps happening over and over. It's kind of like a Groundhog Day in the movie. This weatherman Phil experiences the same day over and over. And throughout the movie, he's trying to escape this time loop. And eventually he does, and he uses it as an opportunity to better himself and others. And so Genesis, in some way, is similar. The same things keep happening over and over. And why is that? Well, I'm sure there's a variety of answers, but perhaps God is giving these characters a chance to come out of the loop, to face who they really are, to take ownership, and and to start over and be renewed. Look at this in in chapter 37, verse 32. When Joseph gets sold into slavery, the brothers bring his coat to the father and they say, examine it to see whether this is your son's robe. That phrase, examine, shows up again in chapter 38 with the story of Judah and Tamar. Tamar disguises herself with clothes. Judah thinks she's a prostitute. He sleeps with her. And then this pivotal moment happens when Tamar says, see if you recognize. And that word recognize is the exact same word examine from the earlier chapter. And so it's the same phrase that Judah and his brothers bring to their father. Examine this robe. And now in the next chapter, Tamar to Judah says, examine, see if you recognize this cord and this seal. Whose are they? And it's, it, 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 it probably would have been mind-boggling to Judah to hear the same phrase. And now he takes ownership and he says, these are mine. She is more righteous than I. And so God is giving him a chance. Hey, hey, I'm going to bring the same set of circumstances and I'm going to give you an opportunity at being renewed and revived. Hey, this is such good news. And it's incredibly different from the pattern of the world. If you read the news and you read the media, it's always trying to keep us in a panic and in a cycle of fear. But God, on the other hand, wants us to be constantly renewed. With God, we're not stuck with who we were last week or last month or this year and, and who we think we're becoming. And that's such good news. And God is the only being that offers complete renewal, clean slate, your mistakes, all of your guilt, all of your shame, God wants to bring you out of the loop. 
If you're not following Jesus yet this morning, this is the answer of coming out of the time loop, coming out of Groundhog Day. God wants you to be renewed. And if you're a disciple of Jesus, we get renewal weekly when we come together and we take communion and we're reminded of the resurrection of Jesus who empowers us to live this life of renewal and revival. And not only for us just to embrace it, but to offer this to a lost world. And so to conclude our study of Genesis chapter 39 this morning, I hope and pray that you've been encouraged and that your faith grows and your hope grows and your love grows. And let's all be reminded that God is sovereign and in control even during chaotic times. Let's focus on His intentions, not problems, not people. Let's also focus on building godly character so that God can use all of us to a greater degree. And let's embrace renewal and let's offer renewal. The church here in Auckland sends their love. We pray that God uses you and all of the brothers and sisters in Southern Africa to keep spreading the gospel. Amen. To God be the glory.